Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. So as we uh, look at this psalm, I'm going to be asking, inviting input from you all, if you would feel up to it. So it might be helpful for you to have Psalm 146 in front of you. There are some Bibles out on the stand over there as well, if you would like to to grab one. You could put your hand up even and, and could bring them around if you want one. A couple over here. Thanks, Anne. So obviously today, as we've heard, we're... We're continuing to look at the character of God in the Psalms over January, and today we're really focusing in on the justice of God. But before we we talk about justice, we've already heard lots of examples and heartfelt stories and a beautiful prayer, Kirk, pointing us to what justice looks like. But we need to explore what we we mean by these terms, justice and injustice, because they, they carry quite a lot of baggage, I think, in our world today. So, a question for you all. When you hear the words justice and injustice, what immediately comes to your mind? Michael. Open to interpretation. So, different people have different views of what justice looks like. Yep. Fairness. Yep. People getting what they need and deserve. So a, a rightness or a fittingness for, for what people get. Gordon? Getting, getting your own back, are you saying? So kind of, a, um, just, a kind of justice for something, some wrong that has been done. Yep. I heard someone say retribution. So we could talk about retributive justice or restorative justice two different ways of understanding what justice looks like. I've heard um, some of the other responses in the other churches would think of legal system as well. So we often think about, when we use the word justice, we often use it to talk about the about legal justice or to talk maybe about what we call social justice. And they look quite different in some ways, but the connection, I think, is that in legal justice, you're saying... What are the consequences that are fitting and right for the crime? So fitting and right. I think that's, those are important words. And in social justice, we're sort of saying what is fitting and right as a human being. Uh, so that fitting and rightness, I think, maybe is the link there, perhaps. And when we talk about these issues of justice and injustice, some of those issues I think are pretty black and white and we'd have almost universal agreement across our society that this is a matter of injustice and something should be done about it. But increasingly in our world today, as Michael kind of alluded to, I think, these justice issues are are at the centre of controversy. So the word injustice can be like a trump card in public debate. If you label something as an injustice, people will immediately sit up and pay attention to it. But because 
our understanding of justice is so closely tied to our feelings about my rights and my freedoms, we can't really agree on what justice looks like. And, and my freedoms bump into your freedoms and my rights bump into your rights or the rights of a group can infringe on the rights of an individual or vice versa. But nearly everyone, I believe, thinks they are acting on the side of justice, even when we're standing on polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Put simply, we can't really agree on what justice looks like in our world. And I think if we're talking about justice being what is fitting and right for a human being, as we struggle to define what it means to be human, so we're going to struggle to define what justice looks like. But even though we do see this idea of justice or the word justice being maybe misused and confused in our world today, justice is not a naughty word, but a really good word from a good God. Into this polarised and confused conversation, God speaks to us. And into an unjust world, the God of justice pitches his tent. So let's, uh, let's pray as we come to explore this psalm together. Lord God, we thank you that you are our good God who is concerned about all things. You care for us as whole human beings. You care for your whole creation and you long to make things right and you're working towards that. Lord God, may we be blown away today again by your justice and your call to us to participate in your mission of bringing justice to this world. Amen. So Psalm 146, it's, it's got this unspoken assumption just from the beginning that the world is an unjust place. There's, there's many things not right about the world and I'm often reminded when thinking about God's justice of a moment when our family was in Africa when I was a teenager. And uh, we were visiting homes in Harare in Zimbabwe, in a slum area. And uh, I remember clearly this one beautiful family who lived in a corrugated tin shed where it was one single mud-floored room of corrugated tin that was their kitchen, bedroom and dining room for a family of seven no sewerage, rats all over the place when you went outside. And the mother of this family, after we'd spent some time with her, spoke to my mum and begged her, please take my daughter back to Australia with you. She can marry your son and go with you where she can live a good life. And mum describes how heart-wrenching that conversation was to see the desperation in this mother's eyes that she would give up her daughter to never see her again just so that she could have a life away from this cycle of poverty. And what strikes me when I recall that story is, is how desperately this, this lady was searching for someone to rescue her, to rescue her daughter from this story. And I'm struck by how powerless we felt to help in that circumstance. 
we might imagine this psalm being spoken by a woman such as this. By someone who's crying out for justice and longing for someone to help. Being frustrated by the inability of human hands and then turning to God, crying out to him for his justice. And so Psalm 146, after starting with praise to God, it begins with a recognition that the deep and systemic issues of injustice in our world are not going to be solved by any one individual. It says, don't put your trust in princes, rulers, kings, whatever. Don't put your trust in human beings who cannot save. And it goes on to talk about how even rulers and kings, the the most powerful of people, only live short lives and their influence is temporary and limited. Even the mightiest ruler with the best of intentions can only bring about change for a short period of time. Can't bring about true justice. And instead, the psalmist invites us to turn to the eternal God whose ways and plans do not fade or end. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. And why why is it better to hope in the Lord rather than the hands of men? Well, it says God's the sovereign creator of all things, the heavens, the earth, and all that is in them, the seas. He is forever. We are finite. He is faithful. We're often unfaithful. And he is just. We can't work out what justice looks like half the time. So if you've got those, that psalm open in front of you, just have an explore of those verses How does the psalmist describe the justice of God there? Just call out some of the ways God's justice is described. Upholds the cause of the oppressed. Right, so... uh, What jumps to my mind in this time period might have been slaves being treated unfairly by their masters, perhaps. Right, really fleshy, tangible, practical, physical and social needs that are being addressed here in this psalm. Yep. Food, like food to the hungry, the basic need of food to the hungry, our bodies being cared for. Sorry, care for the disabled. Yeah, so the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. We could explore what that term means, being bowed down. Maybe it's people who are bowed down from disability or illness or from grief or lament. And it talks there as well about sustaining the fatherless and the widow and the foreigner, all people who had next to no rights or privileges in society during these days. So particularly caring for people in their social status, their relationships in society, and their physical needs. And so our God 
attends to the physical and social needs of his creation. And that's a big part of what we see in God's justice. So, social status, we said this, basic needs, but human rights, all those sorts of terms that we might hear in our, our world, these all matter to our God of justice. And Israel were continually called to stand out among the other nations. And, and one of the key ways they was, were to do this was by being a people of justice where all in society were honoured, cared for and provided for. You'll know these words from Micah chapter 6. After the prophet has said, what does God want of you? Does he want you to sacrifice a thousand rams and goats? No, he's told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? See, justice... It's not a secondary mission of God. It's not a side interest. It's a core expression of the goodness and love of God who is just as concerned about our bodies as our spirits because humans are not divisible. We're made as whole people. These bodies house the spirit of God. The future is a body and flesh new creation where justice reigns, where the world is right. And in this kingdom, justice absolutely matters. But there's another side of God's justice that's quietly slipped into this psalm. In verse 9, it simply says, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. So I want to think for a moment, where have you seen God frustrating the ways of the wicked? Or maybe an easier question, where have you asked for God to frustrate the ways of the wicked? At the ballot box, so when we're voting, we might pray for, for, for justice, what we believe justice to look like, to come about. And for what we believe is injustice to be thwarted. Yes. Right. So, yeah. So, and when there's blockades that just can't can't seem to be moved past, maybe for a thwarting or a, a, a breaking down of those walls and barriers, potentially. Yep. Absolutely. I um. I don't know what you've been praying about, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, but I've been praying for a thwarting of wickedness in that situation. And I've been talking to people who have been praying that and saying, whatever it takes, please stop that atrocity. And what's... Uh, What's interesting is that I think when the stakes are high enough or when we're personally invested enough, we all recognise that justice, the cry for justice, actually often involves a judgement of sorts. And we should be praying that wickedness and injustice is thwarted. And as Dale reminded us at 11.9 this morning, whilst remembering 
that that is God's place to judge. We should be praying for a thwarting of evil. And we should be thankful that God does frustrate. This fallen world is unjust enough as it is. Can you imagine what it would be like if God was not actively at work right now, frustrating evil? I've uh, had this experience, I think, when talking about justice in some, some church circles, where to talk about particularly the word social justice, and we could have a conversation about whether that's the best term to use or not, but when we talk about justice, people feeling uncomfortable, potentially, talking about justice. I think uh, maybe, maybe some of you here are feeling un- uncomfortable, I'm not sure, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts why do you think sometimes we feel uncomfortable talking about justice in the church? So we might, we might come across as judgmental, saying that we have a clear understanding of what is right and what is not right in the world. And that might step on people's toes. Maybe it hits a bit close to home for ourselves as well when we talk about justice and it points the finger back at ourselves a little bit and that can be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, better, easier not to talk about it than change, yeah. Yeah, so we might feel awkward, yeah, or, or uncomfortable, not not wanting to offend potentially in some of those conversations as well. Um, Bill, yeah. yeah, right. Right. So I think we we for whatever reason, create this false hierarchy where we say the spiritual matters more than the physical and the social. Um, and you see it in the words like evangelism and justice where sometimes the, we, we think, we fall into this trap of thinking evangelism matters more than justice or that justice only matters if it results in a person coming to faith in Christ because we've cre- created this kind of hierarchy that I, I'm not sure really exists and I've heard it said in some churches I think that um, justice uh, the fear of a focus on social justice or on justice means that the gospel can sometimes be forgotten I've heard that said but but I would say the opposite is also true if we're not focusing on social justice and talking about the justice of God we're also neglecting a key part of the gospel at the same time the problem with moving away from the gospel, social justice is not the cause of that. The cause of that is moving away from the gospel. That's what causes you to move away from the gospel. It makes sense, I think. Um, yes. Right, and, and one of the ways in which we dis- display the love of God... And the justice of God is by caring. 
Yes, repeat that. Um, I'll, and I'll, so I'll repeat that for people on, on, on Zoom. So some, sometimes um, social uh, people can't hear the gospel because their basic needs aren't being met. Um, and you, you, you're just trying to live each day at a time survival mode, potentially. Um, so I think that's a, a good point as well. Um, Empty stomachs have no ears. Yeah. Okay. Go, Dale. Right. 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 Yeah. There's there's all the... So you can hear the complex conversations. I can hear that a lot of us have had these conversations with people... Uh, maybe in our own families, over the dinner table, back and forth, trying to work out what does God's justice look like um, and uh, what does it look like for us to be li- living that, that out. I, I might move on, Dale, if that's all, all right. We can catch up afterwards if that's all right. Um, so the, the, we talked about that hierarchy between the spiritual and the physical and social that we tend to create. And one of the reasons why I think that's really not helpful is that you don't see this kind of division in Jesus' life and ministry. So Jesus was consistently and continually glorifying his Father with deeds of justice and words of faith hand in hand. In fact, you could point to every single line of this psalm and point to specific stories of where Jesus enacted that justice in his life. And you can do that for homework. Um, but, but we also saw in that reading from Matthew that day... Uh, Dale read earlier that, that Jesus gives us this confronting and challenging story about the sheep and the goats and tells us a life of faith looks like feeding and clothing the stranger. Jesus didn't just come to save my soul. He came to bring God's kingdom. We need to remember that. And one of the defining characteristics of his kingdom is justice. So, what does it look like for us to be a people of justice who honour our God of justice? I'm going to draw your attention to another Tim Keller book that I've been reading called Generous Justice. I think it's a really helpful book. I'd encourage you to have a read of it. And he writes this, He says, we do justice when we give all human beings their due as creations of God. Now, I like how he's referred to us as creations of God. He hasn't called us image bearers there. He's called us creations of God. And the reason I think that's really helpful is that justice involves both an honouring of the fact that we are God's image bearers, an honouring of humanity, but it's also a way of reminding us that we are merely creations. We are creatures who are dependent upon God as well. And so maybe another way of putting it is God's justice raises up the poor and the needy, the vulnerable, but it also humbles those who overstep that mark and start to think of 
themselves as gods. So God's justice celebrates, is a celebration of humanity as a special creation, but also holds us in our rightful place of dependence on God. And that means that it's not unjust if I don't get what I want. Justice has to be bigger than what I want. But I think that's often what we talk about or what we think justice means. Certainly my boys do. In fact, maybe not getting what I want want is actually very, very just. So then, question for you. How might we go about being a people of justice in our world today? Speaking up for injustice, being a voice for the voiceless. Do you want to come up? So I don't have to try and remember each of you. Prison statistics, 48% of people in prison at the moment have or have had uh, treatable mental illness. Why are they in jail? And that as well. On top of that, uh, 20 something, I think it's about 28% of uh, women in prison have been victims of child sexual abuse before the age of 10 and over 60% by the age of 16. Why are they in jail? They need to be said over and over. And it looks, and what does it look like to being a people of justice in that space? Well, talk to Bob and Jan about what that looks like in their work with prison ministry. Michael. Generosity. So giving of our wealth to groups and people who are making a difference for justice, for God's justice in the world. And Right, so in actually doing some research, um, sometimes we'd rather not because it reveals there's not much we could buy, perhaps. But looking into those production processes and supporting local businesses and things like that, looking at where our money goes, how we can be supporting people. Paul? Yeah, and that's huge, right? It's um, when we think of the systemic justice around the world, it's hard to know where to begin. Um, we live in a world that is unjust, and I get to a point where I, I go, I don't know what to do here. Um, but to cry out to God, the God of justice, who I know is going to make all things right. Caroline? Prayer. Crying out to God like Psalm 146. Let's cry out to God in the words of Psalm 146 this week for his justice to reign in heaven and on earth. Lisa. Lobbying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but there's, a, there's, there's, you know, side effects towards all of that in how it impacts people. 
all, all over the world. Mignon, did you have something you were going to add? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> I might... Quick, if we make this the last one, Tracy, yeah. We might, we'll have a chat about that afterwards, hey, Tracy? That'd be good. I look forward to that. Yeah. It's um, it's lovely that your care for people, Tracy, and your longing. It's good. Wonderful. Thank you, Tracy. Good. Thanks, Tracy. Um, so we, we, I think um, one thing to to draw our attention to is. Our mind immediately goes to big issues, massive things around our world, I think. And um, and that's that's right. We, we want to be speaking into those spaces and we should be supporting organisations that, that, that help in those areas. But justice also just begins in day-to-day life. Um, so when I'm walking up the street and I sit down and smile or say day or have a friendly conversation with someone who it turns out has been having a really tough time, and just needs someone to uplift them, that is a moment of speaking justice and acting to raise a person up in life. And and so, um, as we go into our scattered lives, there's only so much we can do as the church gathered, but God draws us together to encourage us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to go out into the world, into our scattered lives, and bring goodness and rightness and justice into the spaces where he has put us, using the giftings that he has given us. And the flip side to all of this that we need to remember is that we are all just human. There are endless needs in our world, and I, as one individual, there is only so much I can do, and we have to, be, we have to acknowledge that. And it's actually okay to have limits. And that's one reason why God's made us to be a church. We need to show grace to one another as well. There'll be certain things that ignite a fire of passion within us. The problem is sometimes we expect that everybody else will have that same passion and energy and be able to pour the same time and energy into it as as we do. Maybe we get frustrated and we get angry or grumpy with people if they don't. But I think in those times, it's good to count our blessings and to look around at this church family and look at all the different ways in which people are speaking God's goodness and truth into the world and to celebrate and give thanks for those things. Even as we continue to invite people into our passion projects of justice as well. But the fact remains that when the Spirit enables us to understand what Christ has done for us, The result is a life poured out in deeds of justice and compassion for the poor. I'd like to read a provocative poem for you. Uh, It's challenging. 
It was written in a different time and place, and so it's probably not particularly PC, so I apologise for that. But it goes like this. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. I find that very challenging, personally. And I wonder whether sometimes I'm content to live with $3 worth of God, where I trade his eternal and incalculable goodness for God in a paper sack where I can love my neighbour if I feel like it. My prayer for us, and very much for me too, is that we would know the infinite goodness and value of our God who raises the needy from the ashes and humbles mighty kings. The one who protects the widow and the foreigner, the homeless and those living with disabilities. The one who's poured out his mercy on each of us because we are all needy in our own way and has then seated us at his table. And may we in thankfulness open up our tables so that others may know the loving justice of God through his people. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God of justice, that you care for us as whole people. We thank you that you are at work bringing about your kingdom and your kingdom touches every space of creation and turns it inside out and upside down. And so, Lord, as your people who have been adopted by you into your family, we pray that we would join you and that you'd teach us to have a heart for justice and goodness and rightness in the world and that we would participate with you in that mission. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.